I've been in this employment for almost 14 years, been in the same house for 12 years, probably haven't seen a doctor for 10 years, um, haven't bounced a check in many years, um, haven't truly wondered how he's going to pay a bill for quite a while. Um, haven't had a near-death experience in quite a few years. Hint to you guys, buy her cast iron skillets and make them big enough and you run. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she loves cooking with them. No. <laughs> Very hard to throw. Um, no. <laughs> Where am I going with this? Uh, That said, I walked through some anxieties this fall that I thought, I should be immune to that, or my life should be immune to to the things that were just kind of, you know how it clutches you, and that knot inside, and, and, uh, and I'm going, my life's pretty stable. You know, from outward appearances, it, it really, what more can you ask for? So, uh, as I started walking back through that, I realized I had to get back to some core things in the Lord. And, and part of this was connected with some projects that I thought I had the mind of the Lord in. And I did, but forgot along the way that if you're going to, accomplish God projects, you also need God's help because he's not interested in just saying, okay, use your smarts, your wisdom, and take the credit, but there's, there's the God factor in whatever you're doing that has, is attached to that. And so you're going to need his power to accomplish his goals in your life. And, and that escaped me for a time. And coming back to it, uh, I, was, I was walking through some scriptures that I'd like to just share this morning and read, um, starting with Isaiah 55. If you're thirsty, come and drink water. If you haven't any money, come and eat. Uh, drink wine and milk without paying a cent. And so he's just going, I'm giving you something you don't have to pay for. You don't have to earn this. Why waste your money on what really isn't food? Why work hard for something that doesn't satisfy? It says, listen carefully to me and you'll enjoy the very best foods. Pay close attention. Come to me and live. So he's just, he's throwing it out and saying, I have something for you that exceeds what you have. And you have opportunity of receiving it without trying extra hard or being extra smart or, you know, this isn't going to come from within you. It says, I promise you eternal love and loyalty that I promised David when I made him ruler and leader of the nations. He was my witness to them. You'll call out to the nations you've never known and you'll have, never have known, but they will come running. Now, he's making this declaration to Israel, and and you can say, well, that's a promise to Israel, so why am I reading it? Because 
God in his nature and character deals with us similarly. He doesn't change, he doesn't shift. And so this, this character that he has of, of endearing himself to people by caring for them, what he did for David, he's saying, I'd do the same for the nation. And we take that toward ourselves and say he does for us as well. And here's, here's where he goes. He says, turn to the Lord while he can still be found. Call out to God while he is near. Give up your crooked ways and your evil thoughts. Return to the Lord God, and he will be merciful and forgive your sins. So the setting of this is not Israel having come through a high day of worship and saying, you know, all their hearts are tuned toward him, and there's this wonderful promise coming forward. That's not the situation. What he's declaring to them is that in your sinfulness and in your wickedness, call out to me, and he says, I'm willing to listen to you. I'm willing to invest in you. I'm willing to respond to your call. So it's in this position of weakness that this promise is coming forth saying, you want a drink from me? It's there. You want to receive what I have? It's available. What an incredible thing. He says, my thoughts aren't yours, are like yours. They're higher. He says, just like the rain and snow come to the earth and water the crops before they return. He says, when I speak a word, it doesn't come back to me until it's fulfilled what I've called it to do or spoken it to do. Powerful idea that whatever he says happens. And so when he makes a promise, it's fulfilled. It doesn't just come back and say, well, <laughs> guess that one bounced off him and didn't work. No, it's, it's this idea that when he speaks something, it, it's a, it becomes reality. And so he's saying, I'm opening the door. I'm giving you opportunity. Um, he goes on and says, then you'll be set free. You'll celebrate and travel in peace. And, and uh, goes on and says, even the even the, the environment will celebrate what's going on in you. Now jumping over to Matthew, Jesus makes a similar declaration when he says, if you're tired of carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take the yoke I give you, put it on your shoulders and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble and you'll find rest. This yoke is easy to bear and the burden is light says there's an appropriate burden for your life, an appropriate, appropriate, <laughs> that word. Um, there's an, a reasonable load for you to carry. And he says, I can help you with that. You don't have to feel overwhelmed with life. Are you, is it just that I'm calling you to relax and do nothing? No, but there's an appropriateness for life. There's an opportunity for you to feel that what I'm doing is purposeful, what I'm doing is achievable, what I'm doing will have great value in the Lord. And so there's this privilege of us having a sense of that in our lives as he dictates and directs and guides us. 
I want to jump over now to 1 Corinthians and spend some time there in, in the first chapter and moving into the second. Paul goes, he says, the message about the cross doesn't make any sense to lost people. But to those of us who are being saved, it is God's power at work. It, God says in the scriptures, I'll destroy the wisdom of all who claim to be wise. I'll confuse those who think they know so much. Jews ask for a miracle. Greece, Greeks want something sounding wise. We preach Christ nailed to the cross. Our message is God's power and wisdom for the Greeks and for the Jews. He's saying the whole thing of Christ coming to earth and dying for our sins is not about our wisdom or our power achieving something where God identifies us and says, I want you to be part. What we start out in, in Christ, is him removing our sins through something that he has done and something that in some ways doesn't make sense to those that haven't participated. When you, when you try to explain, why did Jesus come to earth? Well, he promised that he would. Why did he die on the cross? Well, he did that for my... What does that do? Except that this was declared hundreds of years in advance and the system was set up in imagery and fulfillment through Christ so that we could know even through history God is in control of all. But with that, there is a certain insaneness to it, so to speak, that just goes, why? You know, it's not the sounding of great platitudes. It's not this powerful evidence right in this moment, but it's, it's this wondrous thing that Christ has done. If we started that way, how are we going to continue without him working in us? How are we going to continue without him doing the work? And yet at times we get to this place of just going, I got this now. I figured it out. I can do this. And we need to be brought back to those moments of realization. No, it's still about him. He confounds our wisdom. He confounds the strength of this age. And he does his own thing. He says, even when God is foolish, he's wiser than anyone else. Even when God is weak, he's stronger than everyone else. My friends, remember what you were and God chose you. People of this world didn't think many of you were wise. Only a few of you were in places of power and not many of you came from important families. He says, you didn't get into this with your connections. You didn't receive this because of your smarts. So if you started out that way, why would you want to try to continue that way? Why would you try to look for power and control and, and the smarts of this age to get you where you want to go? That's what I was bumping up against this fall. You know, just trying to say, I don't have control over this. I can't figure this out. You know, each day there's, there's enough to let us know that we haven't got everything lined up, right? For those of us that like to have order and, and system, every day there's something that tweaks it. 
For those of us that, that like to understand why we're doing this and, and how before we get started, it's like, might as well not even bother because it's not all available. And in these reminders, there's still this knowledge that I have available to me, similar to what was read this morning, a love, a joy, a peace, an anchor for my soul, so to speak. Something that, that lets me know that no matter what is going on around me, I have, I have a core that's in place. And if I'll build on that, then that has the opportunity of expanding out even beyond my life. But it doesn't start with this, you know, or the power in, our, in ourselves to change. It starts with the Lord. And that's the declaration that Paul's making out of this. He goes on to say, God chose the foolish things of this world to put to shame, the wise to shame. Chose the weak things of the world to put the powerful to shame. What the world thinks is worthless, useless, and nothing at all is what God has used to destroy what the world considers important. He says he put everything on its head. Tipped it upside down so that his power might be revealed. God did this to keep anyone from bragging to him. God's children. He sent Christ Jesus to save us and to make us wise, acceptable, and holy. So if you want to brag, do what the Scriptures say. Brag about the Lord. It's incredible. He's saying all of this got turned around, and, and what it is is that in Christ, He's the one that moves us toward holiness. He's the one that changes our lives. He's the one that transforms us. And so that there's this reliance upon him. So he says, if, if you're going to brag, brag about God. Don't brag about your own smarts and your own abilities. Brag about God. So friends, when I came, I told you the mystery that God had shared with us. I didn't use big words or try to sound wise. In fact, when I was with you, I made up my mind to speak only about Jesus Christ who had been nailed to a cross. So he says, uh, not that impressive, even in the presentation. But the, the core was there. I was weak and trembling with fear when I talked with you or preached. I didn't try to prove anything by sounding wise. I simply let God's Spirit show his power. This is amazing to me because for somebody who makes his living using words, I have to keep coming back to this idea that if you don't have encounters with God when we're gathered together, um, it's pretty worthless. It really doesn't matter if you think, oh, that was a good sermon. I like the way he put that together. Good illustration with the skillet. <laughs> it doesn't matter. What matters is that the Spirit of God starts that life in you and develops life in you. And so we have to keep coming back and saying, where am I at with that? 
What, what am I relying on? Do I truly, am I truly convinced that Jesus Christ has forgiven my sins through the power of the cross? Yes. Okay, I, 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 that was the starting point. Am I truly convinced that Jesus Christ gives me the insight for life that I need now through the power of his Holy Spirit? And that he will speak to me what I need to know and direct me where I need to go and give me the wisdom that I need for this day and the understanding and allow me to accomplish what needs to be done. That's what's available to us. That's what Paul was presenting and saying, that's what the gospel that I was presenting to you was all about. And so our goal then becomes to hear the voice of God in our lives and allow him to speak to us and to direct us and to give us confidence that things will work out as he sees fit. It's a ridiculous thing, but a lot of my goals this, this year had to do with the connection of weather. I didn't think I was going to get done the things that I wanted to get done, it, which is kind of stupid, but it, that's what was binding me. How many realize we've had an unusual fall? <laughs> and that the weather that we had kept holding off, holding off, holding off, and the projects that he gave me to do got done, but only because the weather held off. But I didn't know the weather would hold off. Didn't matter. He understood that before he ever gave the assignment. You know, so now that's, you say, well, that's stupid to get all uptight over that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> And yet he intervened in a way that he knew long before it was ever planned in my heart. And I'm just going, how many other things are like that? When you're in school, you can go, this teacher is, is overwhelming. And this assignment is beyond me. And you're going to have to go back to the thing of, did God call me to this or not? And does he know my destiny? Does he have this charted out for me? And if so, why am I so uptight? Whether I get a good grade or not. I shouldn't tell you this, but Going to anyway. <laughs> a few years after college, nobody knows your grades anyway. <laughs> yeah, your parents are sitting there too. Why did he say that? <laughs> that doesn't mean you don't push for excellence. That doesn't mean you don't give it all you've got. It just means that there is something bigger than your abilities. And if you tap into that, you've got the key. 
Now here's the beautiful part a little later in this same portion. God's Spirit has shown you everything. His Spirit finds out even what is deep in the mind of God. You're the only one who knows what is on your own mind. God's Spirit is the only one who knows what is in God's mind. But God has given us His Spirit. So it's just like, you know, what you're thinking, nobody else really knows right now. Good thing. But he says, of the mind of God, the Spirit knows. And yet the Spirit speaks to your heart, speaks to you in this moment, speaks to you what God is saying for your life. God has given us his Spirit. Every word we speak, taught to us by God's Spirit, not human wisdom, the same Spirit helps us teach spiritual things to spiritual people. Someone who has God's Spirit can understand spiritual blessings. This is a little bit unnerving. He's saying it's going to take God's Spirit to understand spiritual work in your life. You aren't just going to get it through studying on your own or doing. You're going to have to call out to God for Him to reveal it. So even when you open up the Scripture, there's a need for your heart to be open and say, God, what would you speak to me through this? Scripture is understood through spirit revelation. When you go to pray about your family and you're going, I'm not sure even what I should be praying in this moment, there's an opportunity to say, God, what, what would you have me pray? What would you have me speak? What is heaven's desire in this situation? And he'll reveal it. He says, people who are guided by the Spirit make all kinds of judgments. In other words, the Spirit is willing to reveal what needs to happen. The Spirit is willing to reveal what decisions you need to make. He's willing to give you understanding so you can make a judgment call on something and make the right decision. It's just that regularly we don't call out. We're just saying, you know, I've been Christian a long time, and I know what's going on. And he draws us back to these moments of just saying, eh, maybe you don't know so much. And there's that call to say, God, speak to me again. Refresh me by your Spirit. Let me know what you're saying in this moment. Thank you for your Scripture speaks life to us. Thank you for your goodness that reaches out to us. Thank you for your salvation that goes beyond power and wisdom of humanity. Thank you for your willingness to set our lives straight in you. Thank you that when we're thirsty, you give us something to drink. The first Thanksgiving was all about a good harvest, meaning enough food to eat. Isaiah 55 is about all the food you can eat in the Lord. Thanksgiving, it ought to be a part of our hearts, just rejoicing in his abundant provision for our lives. I'd like to pray for God's blessing upon you. Um, there is no meal following downstairs today. Next week we'll be back on regular schedule.
May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of the favor that you intend for their lives. Lord, I pray for those that are wrestling with sin or fears, shame or regret, sorrows, bitterness, any of those negative emotions that weigh us down. I ask in this moment that you help them release that in you and discover with joy the fullness of life that you offer. Wash away those things even now by your Holy Spirit. Do what we can't do on our own. Release us from these things. I also pray, Lord, that as each one goes into the community, that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. That you'll enable them to carry out the deeds of your kingdom. You'll enable them with the supernatural. Be exalted and lifted up, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. Amen. God bless you.